Well, God bless you this morning. If you're just tuning in, I'm Brian Hallam, pastor of New Heights Church. You're watching our live Easter service. We're having a drive-in login. So outside of this building, the parking lots are filled. The people are parked up and down the road. They're watching us live. We have speakers projecting out uh, the message of Jesus Christ all over. And then everybody, a lot of people are logged in on their phone as well. It's a blessing to be bringing the word of the Lord to you this morning. It's a blessing to be in the house of God and to be able to project the word of God. And I just know God is faithful, but let's pray before we start. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I just lift up the name of Jesus today. And I decree and declare that you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. I'm asking, Lord God, that people would hear your voice and not my voice today, that people would be changed by the word of the living God in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Praise the Lord. Well, listen, I'm going to share several scriptures with you today, but I I want to kind of point you to a few of them. Okay. I'm going to read some scripture out of Luke 22. Then we're going to go to Haggai. Okay. Chapter number two. And then we're going to go to Matthew uh, chapter 28. But I I want you to, to hear just a few things, because if you don't understand what I'm about to say, you're going to be limited in your understanding of what Jesus did. If you can't understand this one word, kingdom, everybody say kingdom right where you are. Just say kingdom. If you can't understand kingdom, then it's going to be a challenge for you for the rest of the Bible, because kingdom is why Jesus came and died to reestablish or to plant again, or to reclaim the kingdom of God on planet earth. You remember Jesus said just a minute ago, when we received Holy communion. The scripture says that he wasn't going to drink anymore, eat anymore until the kingdom of God was fulfilled or the kingdom of God was fully come. So for us, it's imperative to understand kingdom at the highest level that we can, because that's why he died. So think about it in Genesis one, two, and three, we see the plan of God. He made man in his likeness and his image, and he gave mankind dominion on planet earth. He gave mankind the authority to have dominion on planet earth. And what happened there is mankind uh, uh, was created in Genesis 1 and Genesis 2. Mankind was formed out of the dust of the earth, and then God breathed the breath of life into him. And then mankind had dominion right here on planet earth. So in Genesis 1, God was calling things into existence. But in Genesis two, as soon as, uh, as soon as mankind had the breath of God in him and became a living soul, now God stopped calling things and man started calling things. In other words, he started naming the animals. Matter of fact, God brought them by him and says, I'm bringing the animals by the man to see what he will call them because he gave man authority and dominion on planet earth. This is incredibly important to understand. In Genesis 3, mankind lost his place of authority. Now, he still had dominion, but sin took the place of authority. Sin became the thing that has the preeminent domain, if you will, or the preeminent authority over humanity. That's why even on your best days, whenever you were sincerely trying to not do something without the power of the blood of Jesus, sooner or later, there's going to be things that you're doing that you're not proud of because sin has a hold on humanity until you get washed in the blood of the lamb that sets you free 
from that hold on humanity. So we begin to get a picture and understand kingdom at a higher level. The reason I say this so specifically is because I'm about to read one scripture that's oftentimes quoted, but most of the time the whole verse is not quoted. In Luke 22 and 29, or excuse me, in Luke 22 uh, 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 and 29, the scripture says this. It says, this is right after they received Holy Communion. This is right after uh, uh, the disciples are sitting in the upper room with Jesus. And Jesus says this to them. He says this, I appoint unto you or I grant unto you a kingdom. Listen to this. As my father has appointed unto me. In other words, in Genesis chapter one, the kingdom was appointed to man to have dominion on planet earth. The kingdom of heaven, the kingdom where God is, the kingdom of heaven is, is effectively looking to occupy planet earth. But in the occupation of planet earth, he needs representation on planet earth that has dominion and authority on planet earth. In other words, he needs somebody that is made of the same stuff. Let me just go real quickly. I don't want to get too deep in this, but God is a spirit and he exists in the spirit realm. Come on, somebody. So God is a spirit. He exists in the spirit realm. So for earth, this is not the spirit realm. The spirit realm is all around us, but we can't usually see the spirit realm. On planet earth, this is a place that is made of effectively wood, hay, and stubble. And all that comes from one primary place. It comes from the dust or the dirt of the earth. That's why God had to form Adam out of the dust of the earth because being as he was, because he was formed out of the dust of the earth, he now has authority over the earth. Does this make sense to anybody? If God is a spirit, he has authority and dominion in the spirit realm. But for uh, representation on the planet in the natural, he needed something formed out of the natural. That's why he gave mankind dominion here. It's because mankind came from the dust of the earth. So we are effectively a part of the earth filled with the spirit of God walking around with the dominion given to us by God that he never took away. And when you and I get born again and we are filled with the Holy Spirit, it's the exact same thing that happened to Adam in Genesis chapter number two. Now you don't just have the dominion that was verified when God decided to create you. Now you have the authority of the spirit of God on the inside of you. So when you begin to understand kingdom, you begin to understand what he actually did for you. And for me is to set us back in our place of dominion and authority to set us back in our place of authority and to be able to walk in our dominion. So he says this after having supper, he says, I'm appointing or I'm granting unto you this kingdom, just like my dad did to me. Just like, just like, uh, God said to Jesus, I need you to go to planet earth, the father. I need you to go to planet earth. You're going to live like a man. You're going to walk like a man. You're going to be the son of man. And the reason he's the son of man is because in order for somebody to have dominion on planet earth, they're going to have to be a son or a daughter of man. Because man is what was given that dominion in the beginning. And God gives gifts. Listen to this without repentance. Matter of fact, if you're on the first touch team, I dare you just put in the comments there, just say, I'm gifted in Jesus name because God gives his gifts without repentance. Now, the beauty of this is Jesus is itemizing this whole thing uh, to the disciples and he's letting him know the kingdom of God is about to be fulfilled. The kingdom of God is not going to come in 
uh, with, with soldiers and, and, and swords and shields. Matter of fact, Jesus said, if my kingdom or if my kingdom was in the natural, my people would be fighting for me right now before he was crucified. He said, but it's a kingdom that you don't understand and you don't know. He said, you think you're killing me. He said, but I'm actually laying my life down. So the Bible says that Jesus gets up, listen to this, Jesus gets up and, and they go and they start praying in the garden of Gethsemane. And when they're praying in the garden of Gethsemane, Jesus praying and he's praying and he's praying so intensely that his sweat became great drops of blood. And then all of a sudden here comes Judas. Now this is very important to understand as well. Judas was one of the 12 that was with Jesus and he was the one that betrayed Jesus. Now, on one side of it, Jesus had to be betrayed. On another side of it, each one of us at some point has betrayed Jesus. We've made a a promise that we didn't keep. We've made a proclamation that we couldn't uphold. Especially before we knew him, you might have even said something about him like, like, like how, how, you know, You were not a fan of Jesus, but now you're blood bought. Now you're saved. Now you're washed in the blood. Now, now you're a holy roller, but each one of us at a certain point might have and probably betrayed Jesus. So Judas is the one that betrayed Jesus. But interestingly enough, he's the one that sold Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. Now there's a lot going on in that concept. The first is that was the price of a slave. Generally speaking, that was the going rate for a slave at that time, 30 pieces of silver. So Jesus Christ became the lowest of the low for you and for me. And in this concept, the 30 pieces of silver also represent something else. It wasn't long before this that a woman came and was washing Jesus' feet and anointing him with oil from an alabaster box. And the oil was very expensive. And Judas piped up and said, you know, we could have sold this oil for 300 pieces of silver. I have a pretty strong mathematic background. Judas was complaining about 300 pieces of silver and then he sold Jesus for 30. Can I say it differently? Jesus was sold out for the tithe of what Judas was complaining about just days before. You see, when we begin to get an understanding of kingdom, we begin to see that Jesus was never playing checkers. You know, checkers really has only one move. Slide it to one angle, slide it to the other. Just a couple different ways you can go. Jesus was playing chess from the beginning. As a matter of fact, there's another scripture that I want to point you to that I've read a probably a thousand times in my life because Luke chapter 22 is one of my favorite chapters of the Bible. But Luke chapter 22 and verse 53, Jesus is in the garden and he is about to be crucified. He's about to go on trial in front of the religious leaders at the time, but he's out there praying and Judas comes to betray him and they come with a whole drove of people And Jesus says this, when they come to arrest him, because they all have swords and they all have all the kind of things that you would arrest a common criminal with. And he says this, verse 53, he says, when I was daily with you in the temple, you stretched forth no hands against me. Listen to this. But this is your hour and the power of darkness. One translation says, but this is your hour 
This is the hour of the power of darkness. So let me just paint this picture for you. Jesus had been praying in the garden. The disciples were there. Judas comes up and betrays Jesus. Jesus is effectively about to get arrested uh, and dragged in front of the Sanhedrin or in front of the religious leaders at the time. And Jesus said to him, he said to the guys that were there with swords and spears and all the things that you would come to arrest somebody that they considered highly dangerous. And Jesus says this, he says, when I was with you in church, when I was at the church house, you didn't, you didn't even lift a hand at me, but this is your hour. Go ahead. Do what you're going to do. Do what you think, do what you think is going to bring you victory. Do what you think. Can, can I say it differently just in 2020? See, the devil thought if he got the people of the church out of the church house, that it would stop us from worshiping our king. The devil thought if he'd stop people from joining and sitting on pews side by side, which I miss very much, and in Jesus' name, we're gonna come back to, but he thought if I can just get the people to get out of the church house, then I can get them, uh, and I can get them one by one, and I can start to pick them off, but I got a news flash for the devil that we were never in the church. We are the church. We are the blood-bought, born-again, redeemed body of the Lord Jesus Christ. We love joining together in the house of God and we'll get back to it when we have the opportunity to, but no devil in hell, no plague or anything else is going to stop us from worshiping our King in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. If you believe that, just honk your horns right out there in the parking lot. Let me hear those horns honk. If you're believing that, I want to see you put it in the comments below. Just say, I'll never stop worshiping God. Jesus was like, you had me in church every day and you never did anything to me. He said, now you get me out here and you think you're going to, you think you're going to mess with me. He said, you got a little bit of time. You better make the most of it. The reason we knew that is because Jesus knew that Sunday was coming. Jesus knew that Sunday was on the way. I don't know when this thing's going to break. I don't know when this thing's going to turn around. But what we know that we know that we know is Sunday is on the way with regards to this ridiculous pandemic in Jesus name. You see, Jesus was there in the garden about to be crucified, uh, about to be led before the, the trial and they take him and they bring him in front of a trial and they, they curse him and they spit on him and they hit him. And what's crazy about this, and uh, there's a lot of children listening today, so I'm not going to be too terribly graphic, but I want you to understand that should have been us. That should have been me. It should have been you. You and I have done things worthy of that. You and I have done things that are against the law of God and the heart of God. You and I have done things that have harmed people. You and I have done things that have hurt people. You and I have done things that have, that have challenged the, the, very, the very grace of God. But Jesus never should have been in front of that trial. Jesus never did anything wrong. He willingly stepped in front of you and me. They took him in front of the, the, the leaders, the political leaders of the area because they wanted somebody else to kill him. They didn't want to kill him. 
So they wanted somebody else to kill him. So they took him in front of the religious leaders of the area. And each one of the religious leaders says, man, I don't really find any fault in this guy. Nothing worthy of death for sure. And the religious people cried out, kill him, crucify him, crucify him. So finally, to stop a riot from breaking out, they decided to crucify Jesus. But the crucifixion was only the beginning, not the end. They tied him to a post and they flogged him or they whipped him. And his back is laid, was laid in ribbons. And Isaiah's prophecy was visible right here on planet earth that by his stripes, we are healed. They took him and they told him to carry your cross up a rock hill, a hill they called Golgotha, the place of the skull. Now, most people believe that it's because it looks like a skull, but there is some Jewish tradition that believes that it's not called the place of the skull just because it looks like a skull. There are Jewish uh there's Jewish tradition that believe that that's where Adam's skull was actually buried. Isn't that interesting? So they came and they nailed Jesus to a criminal's cross, mocking him the whole time. They laid him on it and drove jagged, rusty nails in his hands and his feet and stood him up suspended between heaven and earth, fulfilling what he said in John 12, that if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me. And he was lifted up. And right before he died, he said, it's finished. In other words, for you and for me, it was the final straw. It was the final blow. At least that's what the enemy thought. He thought he had won. He thought it was over. But Sunday was on the way. Just put in the comments, hashtag Sunday's on the way. Sunday's on the way in your family. Sunday's on the way with this virus. Sunday's on the way in your finances. Sunday's on the way in your health. Sunday's on the way in your business. Sunday's on the way in your job. Sunday's on the way in your, with your kids. Sunday's on the way in the relationship with your spouse. Sunday's on the way. It might look dark today. The Bible says that when it, when it struck noon, that literally there was that darkness covered the earth and there was an earthquake. You remember how I told you that some historians believe that Adam's skull was buried there? Further, tradition believes this, that when that earthquake broke, when that earthquake happened, that there were cracks, that there were cracks formed and the blood of Jesus ran all the way down and the blood of Jesus was applied to, to Adam's skull. In other words, Jesus paid the price all the way back to the very beginning and all the way forward to the end of time. The Bible says that Jesus, that they took his body down and a man named Joseph asked if, asked Pilate, can I have Jesus body? And he said, sure. Now Pilate, he, uh, Joseph had just had a grave made for himself. Nobody had ever been put in it. And he put Jesus in his grave. Isn't that a beautiful picture? Jesus going into the grave that you should be thrown in. Jesus went in there. In other words, he took the body of Christ and he put him in his own grave. And then the Bible says on Sunday morning about dawn, something really powerful happened. Something really important. The most important thing that's ever happened in history. 
The Bible says in Matthew 28, in the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn towards the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to the sepulcher, to the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake for the Lord, for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. His countenance was like lightning and his raiment white as snow. And for fear of him, the keepers did shake and became as dead men. I need you to understand this before I go any further. It's not that God is not scary. God is terrifying if you're against him. But if he is for you, as he is for all of his children. He's not terrifying to me and you. No, he's a good father. Wraps you in arms of love. Keeps you filled with faith in your most challenging times. But the guys who were called and told to keep Jesus in the tomb were terrified of the angel and should have been. Because the angels of our God far outnumber any of the demons that fell away with Lucifer. So the Bible says that they shook and they were quaking and they became as dead men. And the angel answered and said unto the women, fear not, for I know that you seek Jesus, which was crucified. Verse six. But he is not here, for he has risen. I dare you just put in the comments below, he has risen in Jesus' name. The most important thing that ever took place on planet Earth was they took the body of Jesus Christ, they put him in a borrowed tomb, they put a big rock over it, and they sealed it, and they put soldiers to walk over, watch over it. But no soldier, no rock, no seal, no religion can stop the resurrection power of the Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And that same resurrection power is flowing in you and me today. That same resurrection power is flowing in you and me and our families today. That same resurrection power is flowing in our homes today. And I decree and I declare you may be going through a Thursday night. You may be going through a Friday. You might be going through Silent Saturday. But Sunday is on the way in Jesus' name. There's something so powerful when you begin to live by faith and you begin to declare that the same God who delivered me before will deliver me once again. We will not be stayed by a virus. We will not be marked and known forever by a pandemic. We will be known as a wheel within a wheel that come out of this thing in victory, shouting in victory, declaring victory, remembering victory, and knowing that the same God who delivered the Israelites from Egypt, the same God who delivered Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the same God that delivered Moses, the same God that delivered Daniel, the same God that delivered a shepherd boy named David, the same God that delivered Brian Hallam, I guarantee he's working on our behalf and ready to deliver us once again. Don't grow weary in well-doing in due season. You will reap in Jesus' name.